Hare Krishna, Vanchakalpa, Trubyas Chakra, Pasibdubyeba Chaputitanam, Pavanebio, Vaishnavebio, Namo, Namaha. So, welcome to our continuation, a little break of uh, Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 11, Chapter 30, The Disappearance of the Yadu Dynasty. Uh, we're up to text 5 uh, so far. Uh, and since we have, uh, I'll just read the first translation of the first five texts. You can see where you are, and then we'll the first four, and then we'll start with text five, which I mentioned before. This one has a very very long commentary by Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur. The commentary in the BBT edition is fairly short, but they say see appendix. And in the appendix, uh, there's a big chunk of Vishnu Thakavarti Thakur's commentary translated. There's some interesting things going on. And all that. We won't do all of it, but anyway, we'll uh, tell you about it's there and uh, look at some of it. So, <coughs> with chapter 30, the, uh, with the first text, Remember now we're here uh, with Maharaj Prikshit and Sukadev Goswami talking. So King Parikshit says, Sirajovacha, the king said, King Parikshit said, after the great devotee Uddhava left for the forest. Uh, and remember the whole thing we've been studying, reading about is this final conversations with, between Krishna and Uddhava uh, uh, before Uddhava has been actually sent to Badarik Ashram. And so now, you know, Krishna's ready to conclude his pastimes uh, on the earth at the end of the last yuga. So King Parikshit said, so this is afterwards where now these Krishna's pastimes are, are being related uh, to Maharaj Prikshit by Shukadeva Goswami. So this records this. King Prikshit said, After the great devotee left for the forest, meaning the wilderness, really. They say vana, and that's usually translated as forest, but basically it means uncultivated land. So it can be all kinds of things, can be vanas. You know. Usually in India it's woods, but. <laughs> There's deserts and there's you know, mountains and stuff. After the great devotee Uddhava left for the forest, what did the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the protector of all living beings, do in the city of Dwarka? So this just to remind you, because there's going to be a devastation and of Krishna's own family, basically, He's going to have them all removed from the earth. Uh, nevertheless, Bhuta Bhavana, the protector of all beings, is the epithet that's used for the Lord here. Just to remind you, it's not as bad as it looks. <laughs> Text 2. After his own dynasty met destruction from the curse of the Brahmanas. So that was the, what we're going to do. The... the, the uh, after his own dynasty met destruction from the curse of the Brahmanas, 
how could the best of the yadus give up his body, the best of the yadus being, being Krishna, the dearmost object of all eyes? <clears throat> text 3, which is a long text. That we discussed this as in, a, in a quite uh, different, very poetic meter, talking about uh, the, the form of the Lord. Once their eyes were fixed upon his transcendental form, women were unable to withdraw them. And once that form had entered the ears of the sages and become fixed in their hearts, it would never depart. That is, I think it means descriptions of the forms enter the ears. What to speak of acquiring fame, the great poets who described the beauty of the Lord's form would have their words invested with transcendentally pleasing attraction. So over and above even what you could achieve by poetic skill, something special would be in those words that are describing the Lord. Uh, so in addition to the benefits acquiring to the poets from describing Krishna would not only be fame, but also this special potency because the names that describe Krishna and Krishna are the same. So some of the spiritual potency of Krishna himself is there in those words. And by seeing that form on Arjuna's chariot, all the warriors on the battlefield of Kurukshetra attain the liberation of gaining a spiritual body similar to the Lord. So they, at the battle of Kurukshetra, everyone, all the soldiers who were slain in the battle were immediately liberated simply because they happened to be uh, viewing that form of Krishna who was there as Arjuna's chariot driver. So his presence uh, uh, was gave liberation to all the soldiers. In text 4, uh, Sri Rishi Uvacha, Shukadeva the sage said, Shukadeva Goswami said, having observed many disturbing signs in the sky, on earth and in outer space, Lord Krishna addressed the Yadus assembled in the Sudharma Council Hall as follows. So now that little preparation, the narration begins uh, uh, in their, their council hall, which was called Sudharma, which had many, which came down from the heavenly planets, actually. And uh, no one got hungry or thirsty while they were there in there and so on. That was, that was installed in, in their city of Dwarka. Uh, so he's addressing the Yadus, the uh, Samadhan Assembly, because they observed these inauspicious omens, uh, the sky, earth, and outer space, even further off planets, uh, and so on. There's quite a list in, in India of the inauspicious signs. <laughs> Certain birds appear, certain... Anyway, it's like a... You can learn them. So now, uh, with text number five, uh, where we are now, uh, the Lord begins to speak. 
5 through 9, uh, Krishna is giving directions uh, uh, what to do uh, to the Yadavas who are assembled there. So 5, be, five goes like this in San, oh, Sanskrit. I'll read it first. Let me say. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Sri Bhagavan Uvacha Ite Gora Mahotpata Dwaratyam Yamaketavaha Bhutam Apinasteyam Atano Yadupungavaha the translation is, the Supreme Personality of Godhead said, this is Sri Bhagavan Uvacha, O leader of the Yadu, O leaders, excuse me, it's plural, O leaders of the Yadu dynasty, please note all these terrible omens that have appeared in Dwarka just like the flags of death. We should not remain here a moment longer. Uh, so here the Lord says uh, these he uses the word gora which means terrible uh, fearful here in the word for word terrible in the running translation maha utpata great inauspicious omens the word utpata means that uh, evil portent or actually any public calamity earthquake meteors would be a utpata uh, a sudden event is the idea of utpata these inauspicious omens uh, that have appeared in Dwarka uh, uh, and they are uh, he says they are Yama Ketava they are like the banners of the of death, Yama. Yama Raj is the Lord of Death in the, the underworld. Uh, some, uh, he's a devotee, but he has a bad job. <laughs> Keeps the jail. He's not the devil. Uh, uh, the banners of death. You can see them streaming in the sky. The flags of death. The penance of death. So there he says, you should not be here even a muhurta, you know, mm-hmm. moment of time. We should remain here. And he calls them yadu pungava, best of the yadus. The word pungava literally translated is bull among men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Muni pungavanam, great sages are sometimes called Muni pungavanam. <laughs> The sages who were like bulls among them. <laughs> so funny. <coughs> uh, uh, so here in the BBT, there is a purport. And they begin by saying, Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur has given a great amount of evidence. We have his commentary here translated by Banu Swami. Uh, has given a great amount of evidence from the Vedic literatures proving that the human-like form of the personality of Godhead 
and his holy name, abode, paraphernalia, and associates are eternal spiritual manifestations without any tinge of material contamination. Now, this mostly seems to harken back to that earlier description of the how wonderful the Lord's uh, uh, form was. But also you're going to see what looks like bad things happening, not only to the Yadis, but to Krishna himself. Mm-hmm. So part of the thing is how it's not as bad as it looks. <laughs> it's basically a show that Krishna has arranged, and that's what Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur will talk about, in addition to what they say here, that his uh, name, abode, paraphernalia, associates, eternal spiritual manifestations, even the Yadus. Prabhupada mentions in different places that when any big person travels, they're not alone. You know, I remember when one uh, in Philadelphia, I guess it was Obama, came to visit some donors down the down the hallway from down the street from our temple, and uh, you know there was like a, it's a parade. You know, so many people come with them. You know, so every time the president travels, it's a big thing, and all these. So that's generally. So when Krishna travels, he also brings his associates and abode and everything with him. <coughs> so they all came. And so now when he's going to go, they're all going to go with him. And so there's an arrangement for their disappearance here, which is like, what's going to be discussed. So, but this part of his, uh, of, of his commentary on this verse, the explaining how giving all this evidence from the Shastra about how these, his, name, abode, paraphernalia, associates, are spiritual manifestations without any tinge of material contamination. And then it says here, see appendix, pages 806a to 806d. What this means is that the, the, we had a team translating this. This was done after Prabhupada's disappearance. Sri Dayananda Maharaj, Gopi Purana, Dana, Jarvida. There was a whole team. I was with them for a while up in, uh, in Atlanta working on this, trans- to finish the translation because Prabhupada hadn't gotten this far before he, he left. And so they really wanted all this in the book. It was a very long description of these things from Vishnath Chagavarti. And clearly there was some difficulty. Oh, it's too much. We'll put it in an appendix. But it must have made the decision late because it's pages 806A to 806D. <laughs> if you look, it goes 805, 806, A to D, 807. <laughs> so it must, must have been, a, I can imagine, a fight going on for a while. The BBT not wanting to put the money in and the translators wanting to have it. <laughs> That's how you end up with things like 806A to D. <laughs> Just to let you know. See appendix. <laughs> we'll look at that appendix. I'll read the whole thing. But In this regard, 
Well, it's interesting because now I have Banu Swami's translation of Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's commentary, and then a translation apparently done by probably Gopi Puranadana. And there's some di- interesting differences. <laughs> so anyway, God, let me continue with this purport. In this regard, the Acharya, that means Vishnath Chakravarti Thakur, has further explained that because the living entities must suffer the reactions to their sinful activities, the Lord arranges for them to be punished during the Kali Yuga. That's our age, Kali Yuga. Uh, Kali Yuga began on February 18th, 3102 B.C., (laughs) according to the calculations. Long time ago. All our historical information is of Kali Yuga and not the preceding Yuga, which is Treta. There's a cycle of Satya, Dwarpa, Treta, Kali. And uh, as Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur points out, this preceding age, which is the third, because every every age Dharma decreases, uh, it loses a quality. The, the four uh, characteristics of, of Dharma, cleanliness, austerity, mercifulness, and truthfulness, and in Satyuga, they're all there. Plus, people's lifespans are longer, freedom from disease. is basically like the earth is like a paradise. And then, as the ages progress, uh, they decli- decline takes place. Uh, and, and so, uh, right now in Kali Yuga, the last remaining leg of dharma, dharma is compared to a bull and there are four legs, the last remaining leg is truthfulness. And that, according to the Bhagavatam, is being destroyed by what Prabhupada translates as lying propaganda. Increases all the time. Or false news. (laughs) (laughs) Fake news, right? Fake news. It every gets a boost, you know. All our all our things to communicate knowledge more rapidly and share it has become the vehicle. Anyway, that's the la- But that's the last leg of dharma. Cleanliness is gone. Austerity, mercy, and so all that's left is this little. And that's what this is. We have. Uh, our story that we all believe in and accept on faith is the narration of progress. Why we are progressing. We've even taken this idea of progress, a renaissance sort of idea, uh, uh, because people used to put the golden age in the past, the Greeks did, the Romans did, then when Christianity came, the world was going to end pretty soon. Uh, and so they thought that we were in the senescence of the world then, and then it switched a bit. But then with the, with the Renaissance, that we got, oh yeah, we're going to, you know, we did rediscover the ancient writings, we find, you know, we're going to start to fix things up. We, 
and then we have the gradual story of progress, then augmented into a, a kind of uh, hist- prehistory by Charles Darwin of the theory of evolution that somehow or other, starting with nothing, you know, you, you, you basically have something that goes against another scientific law, which is entropy, that things run down, but this is where in what one philosopher called an anti-entropic branch system, <laughs> where things are getting more organized and more together and more complicated and more complex. The more complex things are, usually the more unstable they are, and they fall apart. But somehow or other, things have gotten, you know, you start with very simple chemicals, and they suddenly, for some reason, become more complex chemicals, and then you carbon atoms, and then you get, you know, you get carbon rings, and then you get, you know, and things become alive. First of all, you have complex organizations, then, then they become, and not just have complex structures of matter, but then the experience of complex structures of matter somehow pops into there. And anyway, this is, and then they become more complex, and then they, anyway. And here we are today. And of course, our science fiction, which is our modern mythology, is we're going to keep augmenting ourselves, you know, robotically and with implants and tie in with our machines. And then we're already looking after after this planet's exhausted for another one to go to. But science fiction, we conquer space. Remember, you ever, ever, that, that the conquest of space? Imagine just what you're thinking when you say that. <laughs> and we become gods. Right? That's our that's our progress. We take control, we learn how to we learn how to manipulate material nature. We can become the controllers and owners of everything. And so But when we go to outer space, we may encounter superior beings more powerful than ourselves. We talk about that too in our science fiction. What are they? Gods or demons? It's the same old stuff. <laughs> we can't get away from it. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. Uh, uh, go back to this. Uh, the Lord arranges for the sinful uh, activities of people to be punished during Kali Yuga. In other words, if you take birth in Kali Yuga, it means you're still sinful and you got to be here. In other words, it is not the Lord Krishna's desire that conditioned souls be sinful and suffer, but since they are already sinful, the Lord creates an appropriate age during which they can experience the bitter fruits of irreligiosity. I don't like that as a religious. Anyway, since Lord Krishna personally establishes religious principles in his various appearances in this material world, at the end of Dwarpa Yuga, that was the last age, religion on the earth was overwhelmingly powerful. Uh, because he appeared at the end of 
Why does he come? He announces in the Bhagavad Sadhu Nam to support and protect the sadhus, to abolish the miscreants, to establish the principles of Dharma. He comes, he says, in every age, Yuga, Yuga, it says in the Bhagavad Gita, Yuga after Yuga. It's not vague, it means those four ages, Yuga, Yuga. In Yuga after Yuga. So, so at the end of Dwarpa Yuga, religion on earth was overwhelmingly powerful. All the significant demons had been killed because that's what had happened. There was a flour- flourishing of, of asuras, you know, translated as demons, and so he killed them. He did them in Vrindavan, then he did them later. Kamsa knew that uh, that uh, had heard been forewarned that his nemesis had been born, hidden away in the, as, a, as a village boy, sent demons in Putana, beginning with Putana, to try to kill him. He survived and killed all those demons somehow or other. Then he comes and he kills Kamsa, and then he wipes out Kamsa's allies. That's basically part of Krishna's career. Jarasandha, all these people and then uh, establish his dharma that way. So all the significant demons had been killed. The great sages, saints, and devotees had been greatly encouraged, enlightened, and fortified, and there was little scope for irreligion. Had Lord Krishna ascended to the spiritual sky in his spiritual body before the eyes of the world, because he could have done that, and it's mentioned here what happened. It would have been very difficult for Kali Yuga to flourish. Lord Krishna left the world in exactly that way during his appearance as Ramchandra. In an earlier age, as Lord Ramchandra, uh, he ascended into the sky with a lot of witnesses. And hundreds of thousands of years later, Hundreds of millions of pious persons still discuss this wonderful pastimes of the Lord. It was in, recorded in the Ramayana and other vernacular stories. And you could watch it on television in India for a long time. They made the Ramayana series. I mean, the whole country stopped. I was there in India, you know. When, the prime time in India, at least at that time, was Sunday morning. 10 o'clock Sunday morning, this is in Mayapur, you know. We have a lot of guests there. We're out in the country, but there's a lot of guests. They, they put television sets out on the balcony, and they're filled up with guests and all the brahmacharis who live there and everything. <laughs> Everybody's watching the installments of the Ramayana <laughs> on, on, on television. Uh... Uh, To pave the way for Kali Yuga, however, Lord Krishna left this world in a way that puzzles those who are not his staunch devotees. This is what Vishnath Chakravarti Thakur, what were his, he was uh, 18th century, I think. The eternal form of the Lord is described throughout Vedic literature, and his eternal form constitutes the highest understanding 
of the Absolute Truth, according to all the great Acharyas, including Shankaracharya and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Yet although Lord Krishna's eternal spiritual form is a realized fact for advanced devotees, that is, realized facts means experienced fact. Uh, for those who are weak in Krishna consciousness, the inconceivable pastimes and plans of the Lord are sometimes hard to appreciate properly. That's the end of their commentary. So now I'm going to look at Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur's commentary, at least some of it. Uh, so again, the translation, uh, O leaders of the Yadu dynasty, it's the same translation they use here, please note all these terrible omens that have appeared in Dwarka, just like the flags of death. We should not remain here a moment longer. So Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur says, Internally, the Lord thought as follows. This is Manu Swami's English translation. I assume he's, ra- ra- he's writing in Sanskrit. Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur. Uh, yeah, not in Bengali or, or some other vernacular. Among all the persons who came to meet me. So this is what uh, Krishna is saying. Among all the persons who came, this is how the Lord thought, as follows. I, mean, I would have put quotation marks here, but... Anyway, among all the persons who came to meet me from various places during the trip to Kurukshetra, remember that's one of, uh, at one point, there was a time when all the Yadu dynasty went to Kurukshetra, which was a sacred place for them. The battle was fought there, but it was also a place of pilgrimage, Dharma Shetra, Kurukshetra, the Bhagavad, in that Dharma Shetra. So, uh, so after that, it was still a place where, for the Yadus, they would go to perform sacrifice. It's a Dharma Shetra, a place of sacrifice. So there was a big. Uh, kind of reunion of all the members of the Yadu dynasty from all over to go to this place. This is described in the Bhagavatam. And that is where, uh, and Krishna, who had been raised in Vrindavan, but then was now living in Dwarka as the king, uh, established his palace there and, and so on. He came there, and this is where Radha and Krishna met again, after so many years, uh, at that place. Uh, and Rathiatra actually commemorates that 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 uh, that meeting, the Rathiatra festival. So this is what he's referring to: the, the this meeting. Uh, where there were all these sages and all the Yadu dynasties. So all everybody came to see Krishna from all around when he was at Kurukshetra. <coughs> so among them, he says, Kali came unnoticed by others and spoke to me. This is Kali personified. Because it wasn't just the age, but there was a spirit of the age who was actually... a. He, show, he also shows up in the Bhagavatam. 
Kali came unnoticed to others and spoke to me, O Master, when will I take charge of the earth? Because actually the real time for Kali Yuga to begin had already happened, but it not, couldn't take effect because Krishna was still present. I said, You can take charge only when my pastimes, my Leela, are over. After I disappear, this is now him thinking, after I disappear, with the right given by me, Kali will pervade the earth. However, during my present appearance, Dharma has increased to four legs, even greater than in such yuga. Uh, so here we understand, we understand how there's this whole scene in there where where Maharaj Parikshit encounters Kali personified beating a cow and a bull, and the bull is only has one leg, showing that this Dharma now is, is, is weak. Ah. So after I disappear, Kali will pervade the earth, but when during while I'm here, Dharma will actually get four legs, better than Satya-yuga because of Krishna's appearance. If Dharma is so strong, how can Kali rule? The rule is that Kali will rule only when one leg of Dharma remains. One should not say that when I disappear, the four legs of Dharma will also disappear on the logic of Nimitta paye namittikasyapi apayaha. When the cause disappears, the effect disappears. So that left in Sanskrit because it's a it's a, it's a maxim of of logic, nyaya. When the cause goes away, the effect disappears. Uh, so. You should not say, you should not use this logic here, uh, since uh, when I disappear, the effect will still be there, since the devatas of great fame, purifiers of the whole world, remain alert. Moreover, so he's made some arrangement, it won't entirely go. Moreover, I have destroyed the unfavorable among the population of favorable, unfavorable, and neutral parties. These are the three kinds of divisions. You look for those who are favorable, those who are unfavorable, and those who are neutral. Typical political calculation. Huh? goes way back. <laughs> uh, now, if I ascend to Vaikuntha, with all the inhabitants of my abode, in sight of all persons, as Ram did, the favorable devotees will double in number. Those who are already intensely favorable will increase their prema a hundredfold out of great longing in prema, because longing in separation from the Lord increases love. And those who are neutral will become devotees on seeing this extraordinary event. So these are the th those people that dislike Krishna, those who are neutral, and those who are favorable. 
So those who are favorable get even more favorable and the neutral become favorable. Uh, if he ascended visibly with his associates into the spiritual world. Dharma will thus increase. How will even a little influence of Kali be possible? By what method will I increase a Dharma in order to restrict Dharma? Here is the method. So this is Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur <laughs> channeling Krishna's thinking. Right? I will remain as I do now in Dwarka with the Yadus who are my associates in pastimes but will become invisible to the eyes of all material people. The devatas who are vibhutis such as Cupid and and Kartikeya, Vibhutis means of the category of Jiva, like us, but empowered uh, with a certain potency of the Lord, so that, like, like the God of love, others, they, they, they have some power of God given to them. Like Brahma, sometimes the, 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 the Demiurg who creates this universe sometimes can be of a jiva tattva like ourselves, but then gets empowered by the Lord to do something. So he's a jiva tattva, he's the category of a, of a tiny spiritual soul, but he acts like a certain divine capacity. Many of the devas are like that. Are like that. Others, like Lord Shiva, He's got his Shiva Tattva. He's got his own sort of category. Not exactly a Jiva, but not exactly this. Anyway, that's another thing. But So these Devas, they're going to become like, uh, like his eternal associates. By my power of yoga, I will withdraw them from those bodies without others noticing. That's his associates making some false fake forms for their eyes of ordinary people who which appear to be Prajumna others. I will have the devatas in those bodies go to Prabhasa with the other inhabitants of Dwarka and have them drink wine uh, after meditating and giving charity and sending the swarga according to their individual qualifications as devotees. Because that's what he does. In Prabhasa, uh, the inhabitants of Dwarka go there. Uh, they they become intoxicated. They fight with each other because the the Yadu dynasties are so powerful. Nobody can kill them, and it would be wrong for somebody that's the associates of Krishna to be killed by somebody else. So they get dr- drunk and, uh, and and get in a brawl with each other, a drunken bra- like a drunken brawl and kill each other. That's what he's saying. And then he says, I, in another form, will depart for Vaikuntha with the other inhabitants of Dwarka, as Ram did. Uh, But I will let the common people see the influence of Maya. They will think that the Yadus left Dwarka, went to Prabhasa with the entire Yadu dynasty, and under the control of a Brahmana's curse. That's a whole backstory. 
drank wine and gave up their bodies after killing each other. They will think the Lord, along with Balaram, giving up a human body, ascending to the spiritual abode. Thus they will say, my body was temporary, made of matter. Thinking that I have a material body is a great offense. I have said, avajanatimam mudha manusim tanum ashritam. The fools deride me, thinking I have a material human form. I have described the result. Uh, 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 in Bhagavad Gita 9.11, those people who think that I, I am simply uh, made of prakriti, uh, their, their hopes are destroyed, their good deeds are destroyed, their knowledge is destroyed. This is in Bhagavad Gita 9.11. Uh, uh, if devotees think in this way, their desire to attain me will be futi, futile. If the karmis think this way, uh, they cannot attain swarga. If the jnanis think in this way, they cannot attain liberation. They become rakshasas. Uh, so, uh, anyway, this goes on for a while. Uh, where he he <laughs> it's very interesting we're running out of time here. Yeah. Um, let me skip a little bit of this just as eyes afflicted with jaundice perceive a shining white conch shell to be yellow people whose minds and eyes are afflicted by maya will perceive my departure pastimes which are actually eternity knowledge and bliss to be afflicted with material misfortune. They will see and conclude that I gave up my body along with all associates like Prajumna and that the queens like Rumini were burned in the funeral file. Not only uh, uh, will sages see this, but others will describe it. And then Shiva, my devotee taking birth in Kali Yuga, will preach this in a commentary on Vedanta Sutra in order to spread Kali's influence. This means Shankaracharya. <laughs> uh, and he quotes from Shankaracharya's commentary, uh, the body of the Lord possessing unlimited powers is a subtle covering of Maya of, on Brahma. Whereas what he's teaching here, what we understand is that Krishna's body is not covered by maya. It's entirely spiritual. Uh, so then he goes on in this purport, uh, this long purport, which they've, which they've moved to the uh, uh, appendix, are how uh, Krishna's a whole series of quotations from all kinds of different literature about the beauty of Krishna's form and the spiritual nature of Krishna's form, the spiritual nature of Krishna's uh, names, because we teach Krishna and Krishna's name are the same. Uh, it's pure. You chant Krishna's names, you become purified, and you can actually perceive Krishna's name. Uh, Krishna's name, form, qualities, and pastimes. 
cannot be perceived by our material contaminated senses. Atashri Krishna Namadi Nabhavedrayam Indrai Sevan Mukhe Hijivado Swayamevas Purachajaha. However, when those senses become purified, then they can actually perceive these things. Uh, and so that's what our process of bhakti, which Rishikesha Rishikenam Sevanam Bhakti Ruchate. Bhakti is engaging the senses in the service of the master of the senses so that Krishna becomes manifest to us in the form of sound, his name, his speech, in the form of deities in the temple, his statue, in the form of foodstuff, prasadam, in the form of literature, narrations. These are all different ways that Krishna becomes accessible. And then that cleanses our senses, purifies our mind, and then we become capable of this spiritual experience. And that's why it's called science vijnana, realized knowledge, that, that it's not just theoretical. So he explains all these things with all this, that the, the names are spiritual, with lots of different quotations. His abodes are spiritual and eternal, his activities, his lila, uh, eternal, his associates, eternal, uh, 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 therefore, uh, he, he summarizes it with a quotation, uh, the Supreme Lord, Master of the Universe, has eternal forms, uh, nitya murti, uh, eternal avatars, uh, eternal fragrance, Nitya Ganda, <laughs> eternal power, Nitya Ishvarya, and eternal bliss, Sukhananda, uh, Sukha. All these things are, are there. That's his. And so here, if you go to this appendix 806A and B, you see they've taken this and pulled out all those quotations and. It's just a few pages, but uh, they give both the, the, the Sanskrit and transliteration and the, uh, uh, you know, quotation, quotates Madhvacharya's commentary on Vedanta Sutra, the different Upanishads, different Puranas. Uh, all this is taken from, Vish, gathered by Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur. It's interesting, they made a few changes too, like... Uh, I think Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur was, was putting down these quotations from memory. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so they looked them up and, you know, sometimes adjusted them a little bit. <laughs> it's interesting. But anyway, so we'll have to stop there because we're running out of time. Uh, and uh, 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 we'll see if there are any questions or comments. And then we'll we'll pick up again with uh, with text number uh, six. If if you want to do some homework, you can read this part of the Bhagavatam. It's also in the Veda base, I assume, and uh, in the electronic form. And uh, uh, any questions about that? Okay. So if you have a question and you're listening online, um, if you're on Mayapur TV, you can. 
type in your question to the chat box to the right of the screen. Um, if you're on Facebook, you can type in your question on Facebook. Or you can also use the chat box on rsdasa.com. Um, if you're on the phone, you can push star six and that will unmute yourself. And if you're live, you can just ask a question. Yeah, I have a question. Um, I, so this, the purport, so this text just seems to talk about, um, you know, points out the omens and then Krishna saying, we should get out of here, right? Mm -hmm. And then in the purport, Vishwanath goes through this whole right. description about, you know, Krishna's form is spiritual and, you know, it's, you know, just to prepare us for the time when he leaves so mm -hmm. we all get doubts yeah. and freak out, right? But I'm, I'm, why do that here and not like the next chapter, which is Krishna's disappearance? Do you know I mean, I'm just trying to figure out why he does that in this verse, which is just... Well, the, 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 well, because it begins with the Yadus. I mean, the Yadus are his auspicious people, his, his, his dynasty. It, it looks bad from the very beginning that they they fall into a drunken brawl. They're cursed by a Brahmana. They fight each other. Uh, uh, it doesn't look good. Uh, and so he, 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 so I think this is the place to begin. I see. Because among the things that's eternal are his paraphernalia, mm -hmm. his associates. Mm -hmm. his, mm, I see, right. uh, so he, I think he wants to just start with it right here. Mm -hmm. So the, 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 so the beginning you can, you, you can uh, understand that in some ways he wants to conceal things so that uh, he won't tip his thumb too much on the scale. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that colleague, it says that, that's a very interesting that I don't know where he read that or heard it that that uh, that Kali came unseen by others at Kurukshetra and said you know when are you going to make room for me <laughs> it's my time now <laughs> so yeah that's what he did and those, all those people are were sinful and needed to get the result of their bad karma they had, were having to wait a bit <laughs> For Kali. Uh -huh. Thank you. So I, I have this understanding that it was described to me and <clears throat> so makes sense, but now from what I'm hearing, I'm thinking I haven't understood it properly. Um, I kind of understood that we're really embodied now in Kali Yuga, <clears throat> and in previous times, the, the, the jivas and the associates of Krishna and Krishna himself weren't embodied in this real physical way that <clears throat> they were spiritual and now our spirit souls have been so embodied in these physical forms. Is this just total, like, I just... <laughs> that, that, well, uh, uh, Krishna himself uh, has a spiritual form uh, when he comes to earth, it may look like a material form, but it remains a spiritual form. But not all the people, you know, it's like when the devas, for example, they have material bodies. And some of the devas participate in this pastimes. Now, a deva's material body is different from our material body. Okay. You know, it, it, 
I, I mean, the, the, I think of the devas as, I mean, they, 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 uh, we've gotten rid of them, you know. We, we, first Christianity got rid of almost all of them, but then brought angels in which did the same thing. I mean, angels all had cosmological functions. But we've depersonalized the universe, and it's just an empty place, you know. But if you really want to understand the Vedic cosmology, uh, you have to understand it as the cosmic organism. The whole universe is alive. So it's a living being. We can't perceive at least only part of it. We think everything else is dead here on Earth. But the whole thing is a a cosmic organism. And that the devas are like the nervous system. And various elements in the nervous system. Uh, So that, say, if, if one deva is in control of uh, sunlight and, and light and darkness, like the sun, that has to have have ways of w- acting at a distance. If Indra controls weather, he acts at a distance. How does he do it? How do I move something? You know, uh, you think of the yoga cities. Uh, if I have the if I have the yoga city of Prapti, which apparently. If you're a jiva, you can get that if you know what to do. I can reach out here with my hand. I can I can hand you a rose I've picked uh, from a garden in Vrindavan. That's Prapti City. You can acquire anything. Now my my how does how do I do that? My hand doesn't go across, you know, like a, like a, the great circle of sphere around, you know. <laughs> So somehow or other, this space and that space becomes contiguous. That city, and I just reached and handed it to you. Right? So the Davis are born with those cities. They have them. And that's how they run the universe. And there's a network of them. There, there's... Uh, uh, 33 crores of devatas, 330 million devatas. That's how many. I asked Prabhupada once, if Krishna is all-powerful, why does he need so many demigods to run the universe? We were walking in park in Philadelphia, and he said to me, <laughs> he said, you don't know how to run a universe, <laughs> which was true. <laughs> anyway, that's uh, and my conclusion is uh, because because the cosmos is another body of God. Actually, it's it's the universal form is one sense is one of one of the forms of God, and the devatas are are there, and they have various kinds of powers. They're essentially yoga cities uh, to do that. And uh, so, uh, of course, some people don't believe in yoga cities either because it violates the known laws of nature. <laughs> but anyway, that's 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 what that's what the devas are. 
So they also join in these pastimes in, in their their particular forms or, or whatever. They can also come down and look like human beings. Uh, they can be shape-shifting kinds of people, you know, and so on. So that that's 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 what happens of different categories of beings. And also beings from the spiritual world can show up, appear to be one among us. And, uh, but as they say, that, 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 uh, like when Krishna appears, uh, really what he really spins his purport is all the different texts telling how in every aspect of him is all attractive and people begin to experience that when he uh, comes and uh, uh, to some extent reveals himself and some some can see and some cannot see uh, when he lifts Govardhan Hill uh, Come says, yeah. So he lifted this pebble called Govardhan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so those kind of things. So his associates in Vrindavan, they weren't embodied. Uh, no, they have spiritual forms, but but they they may look like embodied forms. They may appear to be like that. But but um, if 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 they took on material bodies when they came down, uh, they didn't suffer any inconvenience from them. I mean, the difference between matter from Krishna's point of view, everything is spirit. You know, they're, they're, everything is spirit. Probably, you know, we say that. There, and as Prabhupada put it to me once, there are different kinds of spirit. <laughs> so, spirit really means connected with Krishna. Matter means there's something that's not connected with not connected with Krishna. So, when you see everything as it really is, is there anything that's disconnected from Krishna? No, because if you say Krishna and Krishna's energies. That's dis- that exhausts the ontology. That's everything that there is. Krishna and Krishna's energies. And he has one energy that allows you not to see that connection. That's the Maya energy. To give you some freedom that if you want to turn away, you can. But you're still connected. After Walfrado Emerson uh, read the Bhagavad Gita, Emerson wrote in one of his poems, speaking in the name of Krishna, when they me fly, that is when they f- fly away from me, when they me fly, I am the wings. <laughs> he picked up that much. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, the first Bhagavad Gita, that, the first Upanishads that showed up in the West was a was a, a English translation of a Latin translation of a Persian translation of the Upanishads. You know, it was like. But Schopenhauer read them every night 
you know, he, that was a, right away you could see there's something quite special even through that lens of all those translations. But anyway, so, so this is, this is nothing is, di- we say here uh, for me, nothing is different from Krishna, Krishna is different from everything. So if, if any of us becomes a pure devotee of Krishna, we would have a kind of spiritualized material body. In other words, use everything in Krishna's service, one would not feel any particular inconvenience. Uh, if you're going to leave the body, but great. I don't need it anyway. The material part, I'll shuffle off the mortal coil, just like slip right out. It's not like I'm being annihilated. I can know I can live without it. And I've engaged in a Krishna service. Because we have our senses are spiritual. Because, because to say that Krishna is a person means to say that Krishna has senses. Uh, se- senses means uh, uh, we, we have the two groups of senses. Uh, they say in... Uh, Cognitive and conative, the senses of knowledge, the knowledge-acquiring senses, the gyanindriya, by which the world comes into us, and the karmindriya, by which we work back on the world. So it's basically what we are is this organized array of instruments, I mean, instead of senses, centered around, and we have an internal sense organ called the mind, manas, that's also matter, subtle matter. That's another difficult with Western philosophy is the mind and the, the self and the soul are conflated. The mind is also the not-self. If we shuffle off the mortal coil, there's several of them. There's the gross body and the subtle body, really double-packed. So we're not the gross body and we're not the subtle body. But using those gross and subtle bodies fully in Krishna's service, then it becomes as good as a spiritual body. And if we have to give it up, no problem. We can live without it because the spiritual body has also basically become coterminous with the, with the material body. And the material body becomes as good as a spiritual body. So the, the, the spiritualized material body uh, looks like it grows old, looks like, you know, those things happen, gets pimples, whatever, you know. <laughs> Have to wash it, you know. <laughs> Doesn't smell like a lotus flower all the time. But this is, you know, we're a spiritual body. So it's not quite, but for all practical purposes, everything you really need it for, it's as good as spiritual. So, Krishna's associates, some may come down and with Krishna in spiritual bodies because they are personifications of his internal. internal. Some may be uh, other categories. Bhakti Carl has a question. He says, uh, I have a question regarding the omens mentioned in the text. There is a book compiled by devotees about the art of foretelling events based on omens, Nimitta Jnana. To which extent should we delve into this topic? When does it become just superstition? Well, it may not be superstition, but 
Prabhupada instructed us in various ways not to get too far involved with that. One time his secretary for Sanskrit, Prajumna, had a book uh, which showed you all the auspicious and inauspicious times, when you should do something and when not do something. It was a very detailed book. And he was trying to follow it. And Prabhupada said, if I followed that book, I'd never get anything done. <laughs> you know, like you shouldn't start a trip on Thursday. And, you know, these guys, there's a whole thing like that. I would think the omens are pretty much uh, the same way. Uh, if it helps you in your service, go ahead and use it, but don't get too caught up in it. Because really, uh, Krishna consciousness has the power uh, to make everything uh, auspicious. People can see these things. They do work. Astrologers do sometimes see the future. But really you don't have to worry about it so much. Anything else? All right. So we'll go on to the next verse, <laughs> the next class. Just taking a long time with this one. Thank you very much. Srila Prabhupada, Ki Jai, Srimad Bhagavatam, Ki Jai.